You are listening to a message recorded at Living Hope Church in Southwick, Massachusetts. We hope you find encouragement through God's Word today. Glad that you decided to join us today. We so enjoyed our services with Greg Hubbard. I hope you've enjoyed them as well. And if you're hearing him for the first time this morning, you're in to be blessed today. And so we just want to be able to uh, just welcome you and to welcome him as he shares the Word today. And so... Will you uh, welcome Greg as he comes to share the word with you today? Let's welcome him. Thank you, man. Appreciate that. Thank you, Pastor Dan. You know, I'm so grateful for communion this morning. My wife and I, because we're in different places every week, either in the States or overseas, it's, we can count really on one hand. I don't know if we've had communion all year long. I don't, I don't know as far as in a church. So I, because a lot of times the church will, will like postpone it or whatever. I'm so grateful that you didn't do that. And uh, what a great time to remember the life and death of Jesus Christ and his resurrection. Isn't that right? And I'm so grateful for the Lord. So I'm just so blessed that, to be a part of a communion service. I'm going to go to the word of the Lord in just a moment, I promise. But a couple of quick things. You know, how many know your pastor and wife, they're just nice people. How many know that? And uh, just nice people. And, uh, man, I've known Stephanie for many, many minutes. We just met this morning and uh, for the first time. And, Eric, it's so good to meet you this morning as well. But you don't need to be around someone really all that long when you can detect the sweetness of their spirits. And, um, and I, I appreciate their spirits and their, their, their tenderness. You know, we've been traveling now for almost 40 years. And you, you start appreciating things a little bit different as you kind of, I'm still a puppy, still a young puppy. But you start appreciating things more like kindness. And, and things like gentleness and, and just graciousness. And you're, I want you to know as a church, I'm sure you're so proud of your pastor and his family, but, but they are first-class people, and they have touched my life deeply this week, and I appreciate them so much. So you, we're going to pray for them before we end this service. The Lord said to us many years ago that whenever we'll I go to a church and leave that church, without well, just a moment of focused prayer for the pastor and wife of that church, and we're going to do that this morning. But I also want to thank you as well. Um, sister, you were part of this, uh, forgive me, I don't remember your, your name, but I'm going to call you Sister Greeting Bag at the hotel. And, um, but a lovely bag from the church with, there were several thousand bottles of Gatorade in that bag. It was the heaviest bag I'd ever picked up in my life. As a matter of fact, I have to see a chiropractor right when I go back home. But there was, man, just all kind of different things and things. Uh, and there was a big, this huge bag of check mix or check mix or whatever and I, I knew Rob was coming but I and Robin loves that but I ate the whole bag before she got there I just I thought Lord I want this bag to enter the ministry immediately before you come back and watched it during the end of a Celtic game while here but thank you for your hospitality I was so blessed by that and uh, you know those things we don't deserve those things or whatever but we appreciate that and I already thank you for the hotel room thank you for that the, I mentioned the, if you're maybe for the first time the family we shared the room with were wonderful people but got along really well and uh, they had seven kids they had four dogs a cat and a pet they had like a chinchilla or something like that whatever and uh, but no really but thank you so much you know uh, we, we were packing up because we we're heading to PA right after church today Pennsylvania so we're, we're loading up things putting up the towels the TV the shower curtain and different things and you know God's been meeting our needs that that TV is going to work perfect down but in our by our fire and the baby so the Lord's been so good to us no seriously thank 
thank you for all of your blessing and all of your goodness. I wanted to tell you this. I'm telling you now because I don't want to think I'm saying something so that like you'll, you'll, you'll give more or whatever. So offerings are all done. Uh, we're blessed. God's faithful. God's always our source. Thank you for giving into our lives and our ministry. But we're going to take a chunk of this weekend. I just felt a, a, a nudge during the worship this morning. We leave Romania a week from tomorrow. And, uh, but we're going to take one of the nights in Romania and take the orphanage out for us. They don't even know this yet. And my wife doesn't know this until right now. But we're going to take them all out for a special Christmas banquet dinner at, to a great restaurant. It's in this small town. It's a new little restaurant. And uh, we're going to bless them. It's, it's beautiful. And uh, they can order whatever they want, uh, including dessert, whatever. And so I'll send pictures of that for the church because you're going to be a part of that. Is that going to be all right? And so a chunk of this week is going to go to bless the children uh, at the orphanage in Oknamurish, Romania. We cannot wait to be there. But the Lord doesn't love Romania any more than he loves, remember, Southwick, the Hash House Ministry Center. Any more than I drove by that place today, man, I thought I almost pulled in that church in the hash house. I saw so many cars. And, uh, but he doesn't love anywhere else in the world any more than he loves uh, living hope in Southwick, Massachusetts. Isn't that right? Hey, we're not going to God's word for just a moment. Pastor said that this, I asked him, what is the time frame? He said, try to wrap up by four, but I'm going to end a lot earlier than that if that's okay. And I'm just going to get right to it. He didn't say four, but, but I'm going to read a, a scripture passage. But I want you to just open your heart. And say, God, I am open for whatever you want to speak to me about. If you're in the room this morning, say, Greg, you know what? I've never maybe have ever made a decision to follow Christ. Well, today can be your day. Or maybe you're in this room and say, Greg, I've got loved ones, sons and daughters and family and friends that haven't made a decision to follow Jesus. And again, when I talk about being Catholic or Protestant, no disrespect, whatever, but that's never saved one person. It's about being a follower of Jesus Christ. And uh, we're going to talk about that, but that you'll leave today with a fresh hope that God isn't done moving with your unsaved family. Is that okay? So if you have a Bible, it's John chapter 3. Get to begin at verse uh, number 1. And uh, here's what the word says in a tremendous, beautiful, downpour, rainy, sunny morning in Southwick. It goes like this. It could be snow. It could be snow. And if you like snow, come up after church. I'll lay feet on you and I'll pray for your deliverance if you love snow. Well, believe God to set you free from that. Just kidding. John 3 verse 1 says this. Uh, there was a man named Nicodemus, a Jewish religious leader who was a Pharisee. After dark one evening, he came to speak with Jesus. Rabbi said, uh, we all know that God has sent you to teach us your miraculous signs or evidence that God is with you. And Jesus replied, I tell the truth, unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Uh, what do you mean, he said, Nicodemus, how can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? And Jesus replied, Jesus, uh, I lost my place here. He replied, I assure you, uh, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of a water and the spirit. Humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it wants. It says you can hear the wind, but can't tell where it comes from or where it's going. So you can't explain how people are born of the spirit. How are these things possible? Nicodemus asked. And Jesus replied, you're respected, Jewish teacher, yet you don't understand these things. I assure you, we tell you what we know and have seen, yet you won't believe our testimony. But if you don't believe me when I tell you about earthly things, how can you possibly believe if I tell you about heavenly things? 
Nowhere does he ever go into heaven and return, but the Son of Man has come down from heaven. And as Moses lifted up their brass snake on the pole in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up so that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. It's never gotten old to me. Hearing stories about Jesus changes a life. Uh, testimonies of salvation, like where you were and, and who God used. If you're a follower of Christ, God's given you a story. And your story's packed with power. So make sure you tell your story to those that God puts in your path. But it's, it's, I'm sure you're the same. It's just never gotten old to me. Hearing the testimonies of how Jesus saves people and, and, and the different ways that God moves him. And we're going to look at one of them this morning in the life of a Bible character that many folks are familiar with. The famous guy in John 3 called Nicodemus. The famous guy where Christ spoke those words 2,000 years ago. The famous words spoken by Jesus to a guy named Nicodemus. He said, you must be born again. I, I, I want to assume nothing for just for a moment, if you allow me. I, I want to reintroduce Nicodemus. The guy was wealthy. The guy had some serious cash flow, okay? He's also a Pharisee. Now, back in those days, a, the, a Pharisee was a member of a select group of 6,000 individuals that were highly religious. And uh, if you were to walk down Main Street or College Highway in Southwick, and if you were to walk in the house house for breakfast, and uh, people be whispering at the table and say, well, here comes Nicodemus in, because the Pharisee was very respected. Uh, they had uh, jurisdiction over every Jew in the world. They kept all the laws. And, and matter of fact, they were so zealous. Uh, they were almost, not almost, they were weird. They made up new laws to make sure that they didn't mess up any of the known laws. And so the guy's wealthy, the guy's a Pharisee, the guy's got it going on in the area of religion. He's also a member of the Sanhedrin. And now you've got a guy, Nicodemus, a member of the high court of Israel. This is a select group of 70 people, and uh, imagine the select group, and uh, that would, uh, again, jurisdiction over the law, and, uh, and so, like, for us, like the Supreme Court. And so, when this guy would walk in the hash house, uh, they'd say, can you believe this? That, that there's a Pharisee, he's a member of Sanhedrin, this guy, man, is respected, and uh, he, again, the guy's got it going on. And one more thing. Jesus references Nicodemus and says, you are the teacher of all Israel. He refers to Nicodemus as Israel's teacher. He said, Nicodemus, there's many, many rabbis, but you're in a class all by yourself. Uh, you know, this morning I came into, you have these moments in life that, that, that marked your life where you'll ne never be the same. This morning I had that experience. I walked in and Proctor said, can you come in this little area for a moment? And he gave me a new Christmas ornament. It's a, a Christmas ornament. It's Larry Bird. It's number 33 Boston. If you don't know who Larry Bird is, come up now. I'll like feed on you and I'll pray. You're from New England. And um, come on. And uh, Larry Bird, greatest of, uh, in my opinion, whatever, Celtic in. It's going to be on our tree from now on every year. I, I, I'll make sure it's where I can see that what, that Christmas ornament. And uh, I held that thing. I felt such an annoying thing as I held it. And uh, I'm only kidding, having fun. And, uh, but imagine Nicodemus. Uh, Jesus says, Nicodemus, you're in a like bird. You're in a class all by yourself. Uh, there's other rabbis, but you are Israel's teacher. 
Imagine on your resume, uh, it says a reference by Jesus, the Son of God, that says this guy's in a class alone. He's elite. The guy's uh, the rabbi of rabbis. Let me backtrack for a second. The guy's got money. The guy's a Pharisee. The guy's a member of Sanhedrin. The guy's Israel's teacher. But one small problem, the guy was lost. I mean, the guy was lost. This question we have to ask ourselves in churches this morning across America, it's who cares anymore when somebody dies and goes to hell? Uh, we know our concern over uh, the color of the pew, the color of the chair, and, and, and different things and preferences, but God bring us back that we're concerned about people that die and go to hell. And, and, and I get this. I'm not looking to be abrasive and, and, or to, to upset anybody. And, and uh, I read the church growth books. I, I get it. Uh, they say nowadays, they say Sunday morning, keep it short, keep it snappy, and keep it light. And for Pete's sakes, don't ever bring up hell. But one small problem. When somebody dies, there's only two places you go. My friend, it's either heaven or it's hell. And God doesn't want anyone in Southwick to die and go to hell. But if a God doesn't want anyone to perish, he wants all to come to repentance. So the worst thing that can ever happen to anybody, and there's some bad things that happen. There's folks in, in Israel whose hearts are broken. There's folks, innocent people in Palestine whose hearts are broken. Uh, we've seen the Ukrainian refugees that are in Romania whose hearts have been, lives have been crushed by things. And so there are, are bad things can happen to lots of people, but nothing's worse been leaving this world without Jesus Christ. And so where's the guy that was, was gagging on religion? This guy, religion up to his eyebrows, but the guy was so lost. And what we see now in, in the book of John is a three-part drama, how the Lord works in the life of a person that doesn't yet believe, that is not yet born again. It's like a three-part drama. How many have ever been in Pennsylvania and gone to Sight and Sound? Anybody been to Sight and Sound? A number of you. It's amazing. And the way you, you do this, you go watch Sight and Sound, the, the Bible uh, presentations, and then go to an Amish buffet and gain 45 pounds. That's how it works when you go, go to Pennsylvania. And so, so this plays out. Nicodemus' life plays out in John like a three-part drama. And act one is in chapter three where you find a searching Nicodemus. Now, I want to live this out with you. Imagine in John 3, it says at nighttime, Nicodemus comes to Jesus by the cover of nightfall and says to Jesus, he says, teacher, we know you're different. We see the miracles. This is a guy that's religious but is lost. This guy is lost and he's empty. And he says, we know that you're different. We see the miracle of sin, but, but you're different. And uh, he was searching. Some say he came to the Lord at nighttime because of being afraid of being seen by his peers. And maybe that was the case because most Pharisees hated Jesus. They despised Jesus. Uh, they were disgusted by Jesus. And so Nicodemus probably thinking, I, I don't want someone to see me. So I'll come under the disguise of another's feel. He came at nighttime because most rabbis study in the evening. And so we thought the best sense I have to get some alone time with Jesus if I come late at night. But he comes to Christ in the dark and says, you're different. There's something we know. We should. And Jesus does something. He answers a question Nicodemus never, never asked. See, Jesus knows the heart of every searching person. 
And Jesus looks at Nicodemus and he says, we know you're different. We know that you're from heaven. And Jesus cuts the chase and says, you must be born again. And that freaked Nicodemus out. He says, well, what do you mean? This, uh, this happened. How does an old guy crawl back into his mama's womb? And, and, uh, and then Jesus in John 3, he speaks to a searching Nicodemus and says, well, no. But he talks about the difference between physical birth and spiritual birth. About being born of water and the spirit. And uh, he talks about what it means to be born again. And, and Nicodemus still was confused. He was faced with the age-old question because he said it again to Jesus. He says, how are these things possible? And uh, here's the guy struggling with the age-old question. I want to change, but I, I don't know how to change myself. Now, here's the deal. In John 3, you see a certain Nicodemus, but up until now, salvation for Nicodemus was all about what he did. All about his rituals and uh, what he did and, and, all, and things that were good in themselves. But can I say this, friends, to everyone in this great house? Your salvation will never be about what you do. It's about what Christ did on the cross 2,000 years ago. No matter who you are, no matter what you've done, uh, my friend, we've all sinned, we've all screwed up. No matter what you've done, Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins. There's no message on earth like the power of the cross where God's son suffered and bled. We lead teams to Israel or, or trip tours, whatever. Of course, not, not these days, whatever. And, uh, and, uh, and people ask us, where's the favorite spot to go in Israel? Man, it, it can't get any easier. Yeah, Galilee's wonderful. The Mount Carmel where Elijah called on fire, it's wonderful. But you cannot compare anything. Like being outside Jerusalem at the place called Golgotha, where Jesus died upon the cross for your sins and mine. So in John 3, Jesus speaks to a searching Nicodemus. He's searching, a searching Nicodemus. And Nicodemus is saying, I don't get this. Like, what is listen, there are folks at Western Mass who are searching this morning. There's a world that's searching, a world that's lost. And that search will manifest in so many different ways. Maybe you know some folks, and, and I know some folks, we see young people who are searching uh, like a Nicodemus sin. But the danger is that the, the devil will love to hijack you on your search and take you down roads that God never wanted you to go down. Remember a young boy, a teenager, 19 years of age in, in Florida early this year. He came up to the altar, was sobbing at the altar with others to accept the Lord as a Savior. Listen, he was so broken, his mom and dad were behind him sobbing, and he was dressed, 19-year-old boy, dressed with a long dress, had formal heels, had earrings. He began the, tra uh, the transition process, uh, transgender, and uh, I saw that boy sob at the altar as Jesus Christ forgave sin and set that young boy free. And I look at that yeah, as he walked away with his parents, I thought, oh, but God, all the things, he, he should have to navigate through whatever, because the devil messed with his mind. This is happening, it's epidemic right now. And if you know somebody, you're in this room, I, I don't see too many young people, whatever, let's pray that changes, come on, that, that this place gets filled with young people. That isn't like a slam, but I want to see God shake Southwick with young people in these last days. Can I get a big amen? Come on. But man, it's epidemic. 
if, if, if there's a young person that you know or I know that struggles with this, I don't want to rebuke them. I don't want to yell at them. I want, I want to take them to the hash house and buy them breakfast. I want to look at them with tears in my eyes and say, listen, I know that you're searching, you're confused, but you have to know this, that when God made you, God didn't make a mistake, but God made you in his image. And God didn't say, oops, when he made you. But the devil loves to mess people up. And so people search. For some, it's a bottle. For some, it's fighting. Some, it's gambling. For some, we met one guy at church in Philadelphia. He, he is banned from every casino on the East Coast. But now Jesus Christ has changed his life. Now, listen, so you and I know people. It is happening in, in Western Mass where people are searching. So, so don't buy this. Because there's some folks, not you, but some people that say, Greg, you can preach, sweat, spit, talk fast, do your deal. But people in our area don't want God. Don't you buy that for a second. There's some churches who are never going to grow. Because they're stuck with a spirit that says, well, you just, Greg, you just come in and yell timber and leave. But you don't know where it, well, actually, I do know the area. I was born a racer. I know this area. And people are searching. They're lost and they're searching. I, I, I mentioned about going up in West Springfield. I love my sister's here this morning as well. She actually gave me my sermon notes. So see her if you don't like the message, whatever. And, uh, and, and make sure you count the offering well because I'm sure she put a large offering this morning, uh, my sister or whatever. But, but we didn't grow up going to church. And I, I, before I mentioned one of the nights uh, I went to Bethany and, and Springfield and got saved as 72. But a week before I got saved, a, a guy came to West Springfield High School. And I went up to myself and my second cousin, Jay, who was six foot eight, and said, there's a basketball tournament in, in Westfield. We'd like you to play on our team. And I wasn't a believer. And, and I thought, look, bas- uh, basketball, I am in. I am in. I had no idea it was a church tournament. Never played in a church tournament. But it was basketball. So we played like a round-robin tournament that Friday night in Westfield. At, is there a Westfield YMCA? Is there still with the Westfield YMCA? And I remember that night, man, we played this round robin, whatever. We had a blast. And, and when we got done, showered up. I'm ready to leave. When, when that, some guy comes in and says, no, everyone come. And there's like another gymnasium with some gymnastics equipment. I remember a balance beam because I sat under the And we all, maybe 200 people there total. Different teams and coaches and different parents maybe. And a guy walks out with a bow and arrow and shoots three balloons. This guy walks out, we're sitting down like looking, and just shoots, and under each balloon was a word. He shot first balloon, said God. Shot second balloon, said loves. Shot third balloon, and said you. He said, God loves you. And for 15 minutes, he preached the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I sat there at the Westfield, Massachusetts YMCA, and laughed and mocked and acted like a jerk. It got so bad, the poor guy had to stop and pointed me out. I was just, just acting like an idiot. And he stopped and tried very great. He should have said, hey, you, under the balance beam. Yeah, you tall guy with the fat head. Just, 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 just walk out and, you know, get out of here. You're causing whatever. But he, he made a comment and whatever and tried to draw me in. And I, 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 I shut my mouth, whatever. And what I felt embarrassed and I deserved it, whatever. He kept on speaking. I don't know what happened that night at the end. I don't remember. But I remember he kept talking. You must be born again.
man and the love of Jesus Christ. After we left that, that place, they got in the car with our buddies that went to West Springfield to Bear Hole Road. Anybody ever heard of that before? And uh, you don't go up there looking for bears these days, at least when you're a young person, you go up there drinking. I remember with my buddies and I remember holding. Uh, actually, on the way, we stopped on Amistown Road and there was a, uh, by the uh, VFW or whatever, Elks lot, whatever, and there's a, a bridge and a tree and I was holding a beer in one hand and I said to my friend, this is the same night, I said, hey guys, look at me. I'm Jesus Christ dying upon a cross and I began to mock the cross and, and uh, I, I had no idea that, that I, I was searching. It was the next week or the next night rather when a girl asked me to go to church and the next Sunday I accept Jesus Christ as my Savior. I, I was seeking. I, I was searching. Maybe there's someone in this room and, and you say, Greg, I'm in church and I sang the songs, whatever. I dropped a couple bucks on the offering. But maybe you've not yet made the decision to follow Christ. And maybe you're in the season of searching. But there's great news. There's somebody else searching. His name is Jesus. Because Luke 19.10 says, I've come to seek and save the lost. Now, we're experts on nothing. Robin is, I'm an expert on nothing. But because of our travel, we travel a lot, obviously. The question we sometimes get is, what is God doing around the world? And I get the question, but come on, what's he doing? He's seeking the lost. He's seeking, we're not going to Armenia just for even a banquet with the kids. We love the, it's seeking the lost. It's Zimbabwe seeking the lost. It's India going after the unsaved. Listen, religious people hate this stuff. They, they, they hate this. It, it makes them restless because they're all about counting nickels and noses and, and controlling the church and, and angry and cynical. But God give us a revival that says, God, I can't sleep until souls get saved in my town. Give us a burden to win the lost. There's someone in the room, and God wants you to know this morning that if you're searching, if you're searching, there's somebody who's looking for you. And his name is Jesus Christ, the Son of Almighty God. My friend, there's people in the hash house today who are searching as good as the pancakes are. They're empty without Christ on a Sunday morning without Jesus. Maybe we leave today with a fresh conviction. Give us souls in December. This isn't about even. Listen, I hope you have a great Christmas. How about we get beyond whether we have a good Christmas and make somebody else a great Christmas. God, give me a vision to touch somebody and to bless somebody. And so in John chapter 3, we have a vision of a searching Nicodemus who was everything religion could give a person. But the guy is lost. He comes to Christ at nighttime. And Jesus says to him, you must be born again. In John 3, he's searching. But in John 7, he is stirred. Look at what it says in John chapter 7. Honey, am I talking too fast this morning? Am I talking too fast? Okay, just a little bit, okay? Which means I'm going to talk faster because I get nervous when she says that. But John, John, John chapter 7, John 7 verse 40, it says this. John 7 verse 40. Are we still together? Somebody shout hash house. Are we still together? Give me a big hash house. Come on. Okay, John chapter 7 verse 40 says this. When the crowds heard him say this, this was at the Feast of Tabernacles. And when the crowds heard him say this, some of them declared, surely this man is the prophet we've been expecting. Others said he can't be. He's the Messiah. Still others said, but he can't be. Would the Messiah come from Galilee? The scriptures clearly state that the Messiah will be born in the royal line of David in Bethlehem, the village where King David was born. 
So the crowd was divided about him. Some of them, even one of them arrested, but no one laid a hand on him. And when the temple guards returned without having arrested Jesus, the lean priests and Pharisees demanded, why don't you bring him in? We never heard anybody talk like this. See, the guards responded, have you been led astray too? The Pharisees mocked. Is there a single one of us rulers or Pharisees who believes in him? This foolish crowd follows him, but to ignorant of the law. God's curse is on them. And look at verse 50. Then Nicodemus, the leader who had met with Jesus earlier, spoke up. Is it legal to convict a man before he's giving a hearing? In John 3, he's searching. But from John 3 to 7, something's happening in Nicodemus. He's not there yet, but something's happening. Now is the Feast of Tabernacles when, uh, when all the Jews are gathered in Jerusalem and celebrate for seven days. And the Pharisees, Jesus arrives halfway through. People are angry, say unkind things and, and mocking him, whatever. And the Pharisees, they're furious. They're saying to the guards, why didn't you arrest them? The Pharisees, Nicodemus' peers, are saying, why don't you bring them in? And that we're, we're upset, whatever. And, that, and they're, they're mocking, saying, you're all ignorant of God's law. You know, God's curse is on you. And then as they're angry at the guards, Nicodemus speaks up. This is amazing to me, church. And Nicodemus says to everyone there that's angry and attacking Jesus, he says, wait a minute. Time out. Is this who we are? Is this what we do? Is this how we treat people? Do we convict the person before he's given a trial? And what Nicodemus is doing, which is amazing, he's defending Jesus. He's, he's not, not yet there, but he's defending Jesus. Why? Because there's that moment in John 3, he's searching. But now Nicodemus is under the stirring power of the Holy Spirit. God stirs people. God comes after people. And uh, some that say, well, Greg, you know, listen, I'll accept Jesus whenever I want to. No, you won't. No, no Greg, you don't understand. Listen, you pray. Listen, I'll accept Christ whatever I get around to it or whatever I decide. That's impossible. No one can accept Jesus whenever they choose because salvation belongs to the Lord. And he gives it to whoever he wants. Whenever, yes, God can save anybody anywhere, any place, any time. But someone can only come to Christ when they're under the drawing power of the Holy Spirit. When God tugs and God draws and God stirs and God touches and God melts. And when you're, the devil heaps condemnation on you and you're condemning yourself and, and you just feel like you're the, God dumps buckets of love on you. My Bible says it is the goodness of God that brings people to repentance. Folks, we don't go to Zimbabwe, Africa, and a thousand gather and stand up and wag a finger telling them how bad they are, how wicked they are. This, don't, do, don't show up at family Christmas dinner with a Bible under one hand and a Christmas basket and then just waving your finger at unsafe family. This never wins one soul, but this can win nations. Just reaching out and loving people. Remember back during the worst parts of COVID, we'd be in some churches, and I, and I get this, different things, and that what the that different uh, 
um, uh, things were in place for churches that would meet multiple times on a Sunday. I remember some places after a first service, you go out and they'd come in with like spacesuits and they'd, they'd be spraying the room, whatever, to kill all the COVID germs. I'm not m- mocking. I'm just saying they, 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 all that could, they could do to limit, eliminate germs and all these different things. And I remember, and I'm not, I'm not, I wasn't against it, whatever. I remember one church, I'm at an, uh, praying during COVID, I'm at a church and a guy comes up to me at the altar, whatever, with a mask on and he says, can I talk to you? for a second? I, I said, sure. So I walk over to the side and I just, because uh, we're being careful with the space distance thing, you know, the wisdom and all that, whatever. And and uh, and, and so he says, no, can you come closer? And I said, no, look closer. He says, I don't want anyone to hear this. So I come in really close. He says, brother, I have COVID. <laughs> and uh, I, I'm like, I'm thinking, I, oh, thank you very much for that this morning. Thank you very much. And and uh, I said, let, let me pray for you in the name of Jesus. I just, I said, just stand there. I'll lay feet on you while I pray over you right now. God, touch them right now in the name of Jesus. And, and so what we did during the worst of COVID is we did everything we could do to eliminate germs or whatever, and that's all wonderful. What's happened today, and I can say it here because I, I know it's not the heart of your pastor, what's happening in many of our churches, we try to sanitize our churches from any sense of emotion. Check your emotions in at the door, and any sense of emotion, it's, it's, and, and let me, there's balance to this. It's not about how high we jump, come on, but how straight we walk when we fall, we, we, we walk out. It's not, we, I, I, it isn't about what we feel, chills and thrills, we mustn't get weird. One woman came up to me at a church, I had a light blue shirt on, and a woman came up and said, I think God called me to Africa today. I said, really? That's incredible, man. Just whatever. I said, how, what did you sense? Was it a scripture? He, she says, no, but when you're preaching, she said, you begin to sweat through your Sure, on, under your right shoulder, and the sweat turned into the formation of the continent of Africa. I kept looking at the sweat on your shirt, and I'm thinking, maybe God's speaking through your sweat in your body. I'm, I'm thinking, well, whatever God says, go ahead and do it, whatever. But let's not get weird about this thing. So there's balance, there's balance, there's balance. But anyone that thinks it's okay to come to church and check out your emotions is wrong. Say, so Greg, well, it's Greg, you know what, Greg, I just, I come, I'm not into the clapping, the worship, but you need to let God deliver you from that spirit. It's not about whether we like to clap, dance, sing, or shout, it's because she's worthy of all of our praise. I remember being in one church, my goodness, just, just uh, there was a spirit of, just against anything that had any sense of, of passion. And uh, that's such a foul, wicked, religious spirit. It's just so, it's just so awful, so uh, unsightly, whatever. And, and again, I know we're all wired different, but it isn't about us. The church isn't for our preferences. It's for our, pers- our, 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 our purpose and, and what God's wanting to do. And so this idea that, that we come together, we shouldn't feel anything or or we have to be careful no I'm, i'm not there matter of fact here's where i am if you're in this room this morning have not yet given your life to christ i want you to feel something I want you to sense God's love on you. I'm not, I'm not praying a prayer. Oh, God, make them miserable. Man, I want you to walk out with God dumping blessing all over your life. If you would check Jesus this morning and walk out to your car and you're headed to Hash House, I'm going to pray, God, would you track them down and pour blessing all over? I want you to know that on your worst day, nobody loves you like Jesus does. 
Oh, well, Greg, I'm, Greg, I'm, I'm more cerebral. I, I don't do well. Well, yeah, we're all different. But God, God made you, your body, your soul, your spirit. And uh, he draws people. He stirs people. I want you to know at your worst, when the devil gives up on somebody, that one bound by crack cocaine, that one that's left their family, and it's all kind. Of, Jesus never gives up on anybody, church. And if you have not yet given your life to Jesus Christ, I want you to feel the touch and the tug, the pull of the Holy Spirit. For John 6, tells us, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them. And at the last day, I will raise them up. Example, Acts 16, almost done. The jailer, Paul and Silas, singing a song at midnight. God sends an earthquake. Prison doors open. Read it this afternoon with a dish of ice cream. Come on. And uh, the prison opens up. The jailer comes out and says, oh, my gosh, he's going to kill himself because he was on duty. And Paul says, don't kill yourself. We're all here. And the first thing that jailer said, he says, well, what must I do to be saved? You cannot tell me tonight or this morning, church, when that jailer was working the midnight hour and he used to every man curse and cuss and pronounce their innocence tear filthy jokes and he wasn't used to every man of God that had been beaten and bloody sing songs of hymns of praise and of worship and uh, something happened in that night hour I believe that, that God shook that jailer that, and then when God struck the prison God was drawing that jailer what about in the Gospels, the Roman centurion that saw many men die, many crucifixions, but that one centurion that was a, was a man's man that saw many people die by crucifixion, but when Christ died, he said, surely he was the son of God. Well, why did he say that? Because back in Bible days, when people were crucified, sometimes on the cross, they would share such terrible things, and they'd speak filth and curse and vulgarity, that when they were dying on a cross, a soldier would get a ladder and a knife and climb the ladder and cut the tongue out of the one being crucified to silence their voice. I want you to know this. When Christ died for you and for me, nobody had to cut the tongue out of the mouth of Jesus. He spoke love on that cross. He spoke grace on that cross. It could have called 10,000 angels, but instead he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And that Roman soldier, his brother keyboard player comes just one more time. That Roman centurion was stirred. He was stirred and said, surely this is the son of almighty God. Is there somebody breathing in the room this morning and say, Greg, I'm here and I am stirred. I am stirred. And can I say this? If you're living in sin and far from God, it can sit in the middle of this and be hardened and embittered and say, Greg, I'm just so, I just want out. I fear for your soul. Be careful that you do not play with the drawing power of the Holy Spirit. Because the day will come, can I tell you, there's people right now who run through the corridors of hell that say, dear God, what did I do? And this is where somebody might think, well, here we go. Greg, you're being so dramatic and just way over that. My concern is I wouldn't be dramatic enough this morning. How do you over-dramatize somebody leaving this world Having rejected Jesus Christ, I don't care how smooth their funeral went, how good the food was, how funny they were during their lifetime, 
quick for anyone to leave this that's why the bible says precious in the sight of god is the death of one of the saints when a believer dies it's precious but the same god tells us that god does not delight in the death of the wicked because he loves you at the end of the day god loves you but there must be that sense where we respond so in john 3 you see nicodemus He's got religion. He's gagging on religion. The guy eats, sleeps, drinks, but religion has never saved one single soul. In John 7, he stirred. Don't treat him like this. Don't treat him like this. This isn't what we do. I can't imagine the look in the eyes of Jesus when Nicodemus I'd love to benefit just to watch the tender eyes of Jesus. So in John 3, he's searching. In John 7, he's stirred. But now we end this in John chapter 19, where now what you find is a man in Nicodemus who has surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. In John 19, verse number 38, it says this, and I'm going to be done here in just minutes. Afterward, Joseph of Arimathea, who had been a secret disciple of Jesus because he feared the Jewish leaders, asked Pilate for permission to take down Jesus' body. When Pilate gave permission, Joseph came and took the body away. Look at the next verse. With him, with him came Nicodemus. With him came Nicodemus, the man who had come to Jesus at night. He bought about 75 pounds of perfume ointment. That cost a lot of cash, I promise you. Made from myrrh and aloes, following Jewish burial custom. They, 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 who? Joseph and Nicodemus. They wrapped Jesus' body with spices and long sheets of linen cloth. The place of crucifixion was near a garden where there was a new tomb never used before. And so, because it was the day of preparation for the Jewish Passover, since the tomb was close at hand, it said that they laid Jesus there. In John 3, he's searching. In John 7, he is stirred. But now in John chapter 19, the guy that came by night, the guy that said, I, I want to talk to him, but I just I just want to. The guy in John 7, one of a few people to offend you, Jesus, he now comes into the shadows of Calvary where the world could see him. And says, I've come with my friend Joseph of Arimathea to care for the broken body of the one that died on the middle cross. In John chapter 19, you see it unashamed. The Pharisees, again, hated, despised Jesus. But now Nicodemus doesn't give a rip what his peers say. But he says, no. I surrender. I surrender. And in my surrender, I will go to the cross to care for the one who has shown care for me. There may be somebody breathing in the room this morning because I can promise you, at the end of your life of mine, and by the way, the, the new statistics on death are very impressive. One out of one of us have to go. Pretty impressive. Unless the rapture. How many wouldn't mind the Lord coming back right now? Come on, how many wouldn't mind? If he comes back right now, I just want to reach quick in the hash house, grab some pancakes, and bring them all to Kenya. 
Aren't you glad that you're in this room and can say, Greg, I have surrendered my life to Jesus Christ. But maybe you're in this room and say, Greg, you know what? I'm not there yet. The day's going to come. This is a big statement, but it's true. It's, it's, uh, it's solid. The day's going to come from where the only thing that will matter. Think of that. So many things matter right now. We have stuff that we're concerned of. We all do stuff we're concerned about, things that matter, whatever. Planning, appointments, critical. But the day will come where the only thing that matters is did you, while on earth, surrender your life to the person of Jesus Christ? And your eternity will depend on how you answer that question. If Nicodemus could walk in that door, he'd say, soaking wet from the rain, he'd say, I'm so grateful that Christ gave me a religion could never give me. I have been born again. My sins have been forgiven. I belong to him. When you accepted Jesus, I believe God took a nail for a pen and took blood for ink and wrote your name in the Lamb's book of life. I'm not asking, you know, I told you, I'm 64. Robin says, honey, you're getting up there, but you're you're more immature than I've ever known you to ever be. And I cling to that word for my bride. but, But asking people, are you kidding me? Drive all the way to Southwood just to kind of maybe hate, maybe, no, but I'll come and beg people in Southwood. I will come, not overpower, not to manipulate, but I will come and plead with people and plead with people. Call on the name of the Lord. Salvation's found only in Him. Amen. We're going to end with this. We're going to be done way before four o'clock, Pastor. We're doing okay. It was in Tennessee for a pastor on a Wednesday night. We're going to close and pray with this Wednesday night service. And it was a Bible study. The pastor gave a, you, you sure, they shut down the balcony on Wednesdays because, you know, some less people. And they roped off and people sitting together. And he gave a Bible study. He said later he saw some activity in the balcony, but thought maybe an usher, a deacon, getting a head count, doing whatever. But gave the Bible study that Wednesday night. Was in his office and getting things together. But to go home after a long day when there was a knock on the door of the pastor's office in Tennessee. And a deacon opened up and came in and said, Pastor, I know you're ready to leave, but there's, there's someone here that would like to see you. They're very distraught. They're very distraught, very upset. They, they'd like to see you. And uh, should I tell them, come back to, he says, of course not. Let me, give me 30 seconds. Shut the door, took off his coat, whatever, put some things aside and sat in his chair at about 30 seconds. A door opened up in his office and in came a man that could barely walk. He was shaking, trembling, sobbing, broken, convulsing. Distraught. Like he, his name was Elvis Presley. It was Elvis who came in that night and snuck up to the balcony and had worn a hat and a disguise to not cause any commotion. And he sat in the balcony and and, uh, and then when everyone else left, he went down and got the and the pastor said I was shocked. He said, I knew Elvis was in the area and everybody knew that Elvis had a love for the gospel. He loved the hymns. He would sing the hymns and to love the gospel but he struggled to surrender he struggled to and he said there's Elvis I just had a normal day and there's Elvis presently I had him sit down he was just weeping and sobbing and for about 15 minutes the pastor shared he said I shared the loving gospel in the message of the cross 
He said, Elvis Presley was that close. Was that close to making life's greatest decision to become a follower of Jesus Christ. He said, that close. He said, I was getting ready to leave a prayer. Elvis was aggrieved with me, was broken, repentant. And he said, all of a sudden, as if, if somebody swept the flip, swept the, uh, uh, flipped the switch, and he said, he went from, to all of a sudden, like a, a change. And said, I will not do this. He said, I want to, but I can't do this. He said, he got up from the chair, still shaking and trembling, and began to walk toward the door, was respectful and loving, and said, but... I, I can't do this. I, I won't do this. I, I can't. There's so many people, so many things and people. To, he said he walked out of the door, watched a man walk out the door that pushed and shoved away from the loving draw of the Holy Spirit. It was not months but weeks later that Elvis Presley was found dead. His last concert of my right honey was scheduled to be in Portland, Maine, where Robin is from. Of course, that concert never happened. Elvis was gone. Now, I would like to think that in Elvis's last moments, are, are you with me on this? I'm hoping whatever state he was in, his last moments, he called out the one that died upon the cross. Aren't you glad that God is judge and jury in those things, that God's merciful and God knows best? So unless, in case you think I'm preaching to Elvis in the hell, that, that's not my job. My job is to share the good news of Jesus. My job is to tell the world how bad they are. My job is to tell the world how good Jesus is and what a great Savior he is. He says, yeah, you just we to lift up his name. If I be lifted up like he was on that cross, he says, I will draw all people to me so I hope in his last moments that Elvis repented and surrendered but we'll never know that but what we do know is this there's a night in his life he was that close that close and now he's gone my prayer today and I'm going to end with this is that there's not one person who walks out that door that close Oh, Greg, I gotta get to the next order. No, he wants you right now, just the way you are. Well, Greg, I gotta work. No, no, don't get trapped in the Nicodemus syndrome. But we have to work out. We have to kind of make our own. No, let Jesus Christ be your Savior. Give him your sin. Give him everything. His blood will wash it all away. So today, on December 3rd, 2023, how about that? It will be forever recorded in heaven's history books next to your name that there was a morning where God came after you. He pursued you. He reached out to you. Not to harm you, not to, to, to condemn you, but to save you and to free you. Just stand all over this room. You've been so kind. Can we stand together? You've been so gracious. You've been so kind this morning. I told Robin before she got her, I said, baby, I don't know, I just love this church. I love this pastor. I love the people. They're just, there's just something, there's something here. I am honored to be in this place. Honored to be in this place. I'm going to ask you out of reverence and respect. We're just going to, we're going to close our eyes. Not because we're ashamed, 
but out of reverence and respect. We all live busy lives. We're shakers and movers, and we got things happening. We got this and we got that. But the Bible says, don't brag about tomorrow because you don't even know what tomorrow holds. Same Bible says, learn to number your days and apply yourself to wisdom. In a moment, I'm going to count to the number three, not to be gimmicky, not looking to, to create anything. Now, but I, I, I confess, I am doing it for there to be a sense of urgency. The time is running. The clock is ticking. The clock is ticking. And the fact you're in this room this morning, I know there's many in the room, maybe we're all here already following Christ, but if you're in the room when you've not yet surrendered to Jesus Christ, and again, I'm not talking about religion, but if you're not like the names, you've not yet surrendered to Jesus, he's still drawing people. He's still going after people. So I'm going to count the three. And if you're front row, if you're already living for Jesus, you don't need to raise your hand. Please don't. You don't need to raise your hand to help me out or make me feel good. I promise you, it's all good. But the moment I say three, if you're front row, back row, to my left or to my right, and you're in this room and say, Greg, I'm here today. And Greg, I'm not right with God. Greg, I don't remember there ever being a moment I repented of my sin and said a prayer that may have sounded like, Jesus, forgive me for my sin and come into my heart. I believe you died on the cross for my sins and rose up from the dead. If you cannot recall with some degree of clarity ever receiving Jesus, this moment is for you. This moment is for you. This moment is for you. I'm going to count to three. I'm not going to count twice. I'm not going to count and go, you know what, there's more. I'm going to count to three. And I'm not asking, I'm begging. No need to be fearful. No need to be frightened. The love of God is all over this house. And perfect love casts out all fear. The devil is the one that condemns people. Jesus didn't come to condemn the world. But that through him, this world could be saved, the Bible says. Jesus, if you let him. If you surrender and say yes, he'll forgive every sin. You can begin walking with Christ. And your life and your eternity will never be the same again. I'm going to ask once, moment I say three, if you're not right. Maybe once walk with Christ, but you're here and you're living in sin. And you know it. You're here. And you come to church out of just out of whatever out of habit but just your, your spirit not even here you're you're far from god you know it, it, i'm going to put it into one big basket if you're in the room and you know that you're not right with god if some may shock people by raising their hands but remember you can have a key to every closet in the church and not be right with god from end she's the outward appearance but god looks upon the heart but jesus christ loves you it wants to forgive you and cleanse you and set you free. But you have to surrender and let him in. If that's you, the moment I say three, lift a hand up and say, Greg, it's me you're talking to. I know not why I came to church on a pouring, rainy morning. I know not why I'm here. You say, yes, today I choose to surrender to Jesus Christ. If it's you, raise your hand the moment I say three and we'll close in prayer, I promise. One, 
free. Anybody say, Greg, it's me. Anyone in this room? I'm going to wait 15, 20 seconds. Anyone in this room? Not an ounce of pressure other than the drawing power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus. 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 Five seconds. Jesus. 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 Okay. If you're in the room and say, Greg, I'm here today, and I didn't need to raise my hand because Christ is my Savior. If that's you, this would be the easiest thing, or it should be, that you'll do all day. If you didn't need to raise your hand a moment ago because Christ is already your Savior, I'm going to ask you now not to lift up one hand, to lift up both hands. In the next 60 seconds, do nothing but thank God out loud that Christ is your Savior. Come on. Somebody thank Him out loud right now. Somebody thank Him out loud right now. Somebody just lift your voice. Somebody thank Him out loud right now. Oh, come on, church. Aren't you glad you're saved? Aren't you glad God came after you? Aren't you glad He forgave your sins? Aren't you thrilled that heaven's your home, that eternity is yours? Thank you, Jesus. Come on, 30 more seconds. Let's give God glory right now. Let's give God glory right now. I thank you for my salvation. I thank you, God. I'm not what I was. I'm not what I was. I am your son. I am your daughter. I've been bought by your blood. Oh, come on, 20 seconds. Somebody give God a shout. Somebody give God glory. I thank you, Jesus, that you are my Savior, and you are my God. Let's sing that song, Justin. If it fits, let's sing that song. Would you lift your voice? Come on. Sing this with Justin right now. Come on. I thank you, Jesus. I thank you, and then we're going to pray. I thank you, Jesus. Thank you for listening. We invite you to join us Sunday mornings to worship with us. We are located at 267 College Highway in Southwick, Massachusetts. For more information about Living Hope Church, visit us online at www.livinghopechurchag.org.